We want peace, and we want to resolve all issues exclusively through negotiations. Both Donbas and Crimea will return to Ukraine exclusively through diplomacy. We do not encroach on what's not ours, but we will not give up our land. These were the words of Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, that were spoken in a speech he delivered on February 14th, 2022, titled Address of the President of Ukraine on the Unity of Ukrainian Society, that is documented on the President of Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky official website. Even after Russian President Vladimir Putin's aggressive and brazen escalation of tensions against Ukraine earlier in 2022, when he launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine, Zelensky has been unequivocal that Crimea should return to Ukraine. According to Peter Seidel's article in the Wall Street Journal titled, Ukraine Seeks Full Restoration of Territory, Including Crimea, Zelensky says, when describing what he perceived as Ukraine's victory in its war against Russia, Zelensky said, quote, We hope that Crimea will be part of Ukraine. End quote. It is seemingly in that spirit that, since the escalation of tensions instigated by Russia to force Ukraine into a full-scale war, Zelensky has taken some increasingly proactive measures in working to ensure that Crimea can return to being a part of Ukraine, where it belongs. As the South China Morning Post article titled, Ukraine Preparing Offensive on Crimea, Russia's Black Sea Fleet official explains, quote, Ukraine is preparing to launch an offensive on the Russian annexed Crimean Peninsula and the Russian Black Sea Fleet stationed there, according to Ukrainian Deputy Defense Minister Volodymyr Havrilov. We are receiving anti-ship capabilities and sooner or later we will target the fleet, Havrilov said in an interview with the Times newspaper in London. Russia will have to leave Crimea if they wish to exist as a country. End quote. These are incredibly important statements by Zelensky and Volodymyr Havrilov in underscoring the importance of Ukraine's ownership of Crimea that also showcase the significance in world leaders, including in the United States, maintaining their commitment to free Crimea from Russian oppression and ensure that control over Crimea falls into the hands of Zelensky. As Rory Sullivan highlights in the Independent article titled, You Could Have Stopped Putin, Zelensky hits out at West's failure to protect Ukraine after Crimea annexation. Zelensky's appropriately critical perception of many of the world leaders that failed to act decisively enough in 2014 during the invasion of Crimea is given emphasis. Quote, Many lives would have been saved if the West had imposed sanctions against Russia last autumn when Moscow massed tens of thousands of troops at the Ukrainian border, he said. The Ukrainian president added that even this step would have been slow, saying strong sanctions should have been implemented against Russia after it seized Crimea eight years ago. Russia started its war against Ukraine back in 2014. We are grateful for this support from the West. But if that happened back then, immediately, that unity, that pressure on governments and on companies, would Russia have started this full-scale war? Would it have brought all these losses upon Ukraine and upon the world? I'm sure the answer to this question is also no. End quote. 
This is valid and credible criticism that Zelensky raised to the leadership of the United States and other prominent countries on the world stage. The United States very clearly did not do enough over the past eight years to punish Putin's Russian regime for its despicable invasion and annexation of Crimea. That is why it is imperative for all of us as defenders of freedom and liberty here within the United States to promise to never forget about the plight of those living in Crimea under Putin's despotic regime. That is why it is absolutely necessary for all of us to declare that Crimea is Ukraine. I am Paxton Phillips, and this is Politics with Paxton. Many of the foundations for the Russian invasion and annexation of Crimea were laid when a one-time crook, who had widely been viewed as incompetent in the political world, became the president of Ukraine. This man was Viktor Yanukovych. As soon as he took power in Ukraine, Yanukovych acted like a thug, swiftly consolidating control over courts and the media, and jailing his political rivals in cases of selective justice. He soon made it clear that he was a puppet of Putin. When the Ukrainian people began to protest against Yanukovych's reign of terror, he used brutal force to suppress their voices. Paid thugs for Yanukovych beat and killed anti-government activists. Video footage showed Yanukovych's snipers firing on unarmed Ukrainian protesters. Russian media branded the protesters who were reasonably tired of the rampant corruption in their government as neo-Nazis. Similarly, according to Daniel Fried's political article titled Opinion, Putin's denazification claim shows he has no case against Ukraine. Putin also employed this similar rhetoric of using denazification as an excuse to invade Ukraine in early 2022. When the revolution against Yanukovych grew more intense, Yanukovych took $32 billion and fled to Russia. Before Yanukovych fled to Russia, the country that he had sold himself out to, Russian special forces took control of the parliament building in Crimea's regional capital, Simferopol. Next, these armed men took over the airports and blocked Ukrainian military facilities. Shortly thereafter, Russian helicopters, ferries, and airplanes all started coming to Crimea. It was not long before the world realized that Putin had just illegally taken over Crimea. The Russian forces in Crimea undermined the very dignity of many of the Ukrainian people living there. They intimidated them and took their passports and ripped them up. In the Ukrainian cities of Donetsk and Luhansk, pro-Russian separatists began to rebel against the Ukrainian government. Putin provided tanks, anti-aircraft systems, and artillery pieces to these insurgents, escalating the conflict to become a legitimate war. Whenever it seemed as if the separatists were about to be defeated by the Ukrainian military, Putin would just send Russian forces to brutally attack the Ukrainian military, giving the separatists a fighting chance and perpetuating the civil war. The Russian-backed separatists took over increasingly more towns and regions as Russia provided them with the very tools that they needed to do so. Once Putin was completely in control of Crimea, he hastily put together a, re a referendum 
The results of this referendum apparently showed that most of the voters in Crimea supported Crimea joining Russia. However, this referendum was not only illegal, since it violated an international agreement that Russia had signed in which it promised to guarantee Ukraine's borders, but the results of the referendum are not even representative of the sentiments of all of the Crimean people. Many of the Crimean people that were loyal to the Ukrainian government boycotted this referendum. Many of the Muslim people living in Crimea, who had been treated brutally under the rule of Joseph Stalin, also decided not to vote. The referendum itself made it much easier to vote for Crimea joining Russia than to vote for it to stay with Ukraine. The United States and the European Union have stood on the right side of history by calling the referendum illegal, and then United States President Barack Obama called Putin and told him that the United States would never accept the results of the referendum. Putin did not seem to care, however, as he used this sham referendum as illegitimate proof that the people of Crimea wanted his leadership. Ultimately, however, Crimea has become the site of nearly insurmountable human rights violations conducted by the occupying Russia. This started not long after Russia annexed Crimea. It began with Putin's crackdown on Crimean activists and protesters. Rashat Amatov was the first person to be killed. Amatov, a member of Crimea's ethnic, predominantly Muslim Tartar population, had heroically staged a one-man demonstration in which he carried a banner that read, quote, down with the occupation, end quote. He was immediately abducted by what appeared to have been individuals working with Russian agents. Shortly thereafter, Amatov's brutally tortured body was found. It was clear that he had been inhumanely treated in excessively graphic and eventually fatal ways. Amatov left behind his three children and his caring wife. Amatov's children would have to grow up without the guidance of their father, knowing that he would never be able to return to them. This was the result of speaking out against the Russian occupation in Crimea. Any insubordination would result in a painful and horrible death. Amatov's last post on Facebook had been, quote, Russian friend, if they order you to, will you shoot at me? End quote. Amatov and all of Crimea had their answer with Amatov's horribly mutilated corpse. But this was just the beginning. Oleg Sentsov is a filmmaker who lived in Crimea. Sentsov had protested against Yanukovych, who he knew to be trying to build a Ukraine that was dependent on Russia. When Putin sent forces to go take over the government building in the Crimean capital of Simferopol, Sentsov tried to rally together a resistance to the Russian takeover. Sentsov felt shocked that the Crimean people gave in to the Russian takeover without firing a single shot. However, he soon learned why so many Crimean people had simply given up when some of the Crimean people who did not resist Putin's occupation wound up dead. Sentsov helped the Ukrainian army that was besieged by Russian forces escape from Crimea to the Ukrainian mainland. Sentsov himself, however, stayed in Crimea as a demonstration that not everyone in Crimea supported Putin's illegal land grab. Sentsov angered Putin and his allies when he claimed that Crimea never needed to be saved by Russia. In May of 2014, armed FSB agents tore Sentsov out of his own home, put a sack on his head, and threw him into an unmarked van. 
Sentsov was then tortured in order to confess to being part of a terror group. The FSB agents, who were receiving their orders directly from the Kremlin, beat and suffocated Sentsov, trying to get him to falsely testify against other activists. For refusing to do so, Sentsov was sentenced to 20 years in Russian prisons. These Russian prisons are still very similar to the infamous and atrocious Soviet gulag system. Luckily, Sentsov was able to get out of Russia's heinous prison system due to a prisoner exchange that Ukraine's President Zelensky made with Putin. Still, Sentsov had to spend more than five long years in a terrible Arctic Russian prison. Amatov and Sentsov are far from the only people to be punished for opposing Russia's annexation of Crimea. More than 40 other Tartar men have gone missing. The bodies of some of these men were found after their disappearances. Others have never been found. Those activists who were arrested by Russian authorities have often been prosecuted on fabricated charges of terrorism. The FSB usually has a strong hand in these court proceedings, which goes to show how flimsy the separation of powers is in the Russian government. Here in the United States, our justice system isn't perfect. There are some excessively cruel examples from our justice system, many of which I have gone into detail about throughout Season 2 of Politics with Pakistan. But we don't have to worry about getting killed for speaking our opinion. We don't, for the most part, have to worry about getting years of our lives wasted away in jail for protesting against the government. We don't have to worry about baseless accusations made against us being used to throw us in jail. But in Crimea, these fears are constantly hanging above the heads of far too many of its citizens. Not only that, but the dignity of the citizens of Crimea is constantly being undermined by the occupying Russian authorities. Much of the Tartar culture has been pillaged and decimated by Putin and his Russian cronies. We are the United States of America. We are the world's policemen, supposed to stop human rights violations wherever and whenever we find them. Here in Crimea, we have a blatant disregard for human rights by Russia. We have something of a cultural ethnic cleansing of the ethnic Tartar people. We have citizens getting torn away from their families and homes forever to spend the rest of their days in prison or have their lives cut short. Do we not stand for the timeless ideals of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Do we not hold the belief that all men are created equal to be sacred? Have we not marched in Selma and in Washington to ensure that all Americans have an equal opportunity at life? Do we not have a moral obligation to stand up for the people of Crimea, the people of Ukraine? We all must stand up for the Tartar people who have their dignity undermined on a daily basis by their Russian oppressors. We all must stand up in solidarity for our fellow activists who have had their lives taken from them just for trying to do the right thing. We must stand up to Mr. Putin, who is a thug and a murderer. And we all must stand up for the Ukrainian government and President Zelensky, who has legal rights to Crimea. We must stand up to the world and tell the world that Crimea is Ukraine. We must post about how Crimea rightfully belongs to Ukraine we must never let the Russian government get the idea that we have accepted its illegal occupation of Crimea. We must tell the world that Crimea 
is Ukraine. For only when the Russian occupation ends can the Crimean people truly be free and have their dignity restored. When we hear about how Muslim burial grounds in Crimea were unjustly demolished by Russia in order to build a highway, we must say Crimea is Ukraine. When we hear about how Russia built a bridge connecting Russia and Crimea in order to solidify its illegitimate right to Crimea, we must say Crimea is Ukraine. When we hear about how Russia has almost entirely removed the Ukrainian and Crimean Tartar languages from the education system in Crimea, we must say Crimea is Ukraine. When we hear about how Russia has been conducting a campaign to keep Crimean activists in fear by sending 32,000 Russian soldiers to Crimea, we must say Crimea is Ukraine. When we hear about how Russia has conducted unsanctioned archaeological excavations in Crimea and that the items that it finds in these excavations are usually illegally exported to Russia or find their way to the black market, we must say Crimea is Ukraine. When we hear about how Russia has been suppressing media outlets and non-governmental organizations in an effort to take the more democratic institutions of Ukraine left over in Crimea and bend them to its will, we must say Crimea is Ukraine. When we hear about how Russia has taken Ukrainian ships hostage because they traveled in waters surrounding Crimea that Russia claims to be its own, we must say Crimea is Ukraine. And when we hear the sound words of our diplomats and politicians assuring us that we will not accept Crimea as being owned by Russia, but then simultaneously turning a blind eye to the actions of men like J.D. Gordon, who successfully advocated for taking out the promise of the Republican Party to supply, quote, lethal defensive weapons, end quote, to the Ukrainian government. We must hold them accountable and ensure that they always stand up for the Ukrainian government against Russia's totalitarian regime. When we hear that Gordon was reportedly ordered to do so by then-candidate Donald Trump, the former president of the United States, we must hold Trump accountable for his directives. But when we even hear about how one of our other former presidents, Barack Obama, also did not supply Ukraine with lethal defensive weapons in its time of need, we must stand up to our own leaders because it is only when we are all united in devoting our full resources to aiding Ukraine through this tormentous crisis that we can truly defeat Putin. It is only then that we can truly say with a shuddering defiance that Crimea is Ukraine. As we embark on this quest to liberate Crimea from its oppressive captor, we must remember the hard work and sacrifices of men like Oleg Sentsov, who was sent to jail for fighting for the cause which we now must stand for. We must remember Rashat Amatov, who died because he stood up for what was right in an age when fear has become all too powerful. We must remember all those who have fought and died to liberate Ukraine, for with their memories we will not only prevail in freeing Crimea from Russia, but we will ensure that Ukraine is made whole once again. We will ensure, once and for all, that Crimea is Ukraine. Thank you for listening to Politics with Paxton. Please follow me on Twitter at 
Politics W. Paxton, where you will find all the latest news, updates, and episodes of Politics with Paxton.